0: We often think of Jesus as one who went around teaching, the crowds loved to be around him. He spoke gracious words. Not too many chapters before this, Jesus gave eight beatitudes where he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Eight blessings that he spoke on the people. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. And Jesus went around and people gathered because they loved to hear what he had to say. This seems to be somewhat uncharacteristic of Jesus. Six times in these verses we're going to see he used the word woe, which is a word of condemnation. It's not, by the way, it's spelled differently from, you know, woe, what you say to the horse. (laughs) That's, I think, W-O-A-H or something. This is not that one. This one is condemned, judgment. These are strong words. So my question that I'll throw out to you is, why do you think he's being so harsh? I thought Jesus was a man of love. That he went around just exuding love to people and they just loved to be around him. Well, there's a reason why he came down so strong, so harshly, if you will, with these people. So what I want to do is go through these verses and look look at exactly what he said then at the end i'd like to put it in perspective because unless you understand the 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 setting of where he was it doesn't make any sense this doesn't seem to be the jesus that i follow That seems to be saying these things um there's a song out there by casting crowns and i wrote down some of the words you might know this song jesus friend of sinners we have strayed so far away We cut down people in your name, but the sword was never ours to swing. Open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing fingers. Have you ever, you've heard that song by Casting Crowns? Jesus, friend of sinners. I like the song, but I have a problem with it. Because if you read this, if you sing this song, it says, Let our hearts be led by mercy. Help us reach with open hearts and open doors. Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, break our heart for what breaks yours. If you read the song, it seemed, or sing the song and read the lyrics, it seems to indicate that we should never point fingers. Jesus didn't. He was a friend of sinners. but Somehow this passage doesn't give me that impression. Jesus is being very direct with these people a friend of sinners. By the way, what an interesting phrase. In Luke chapter 5, this is earlier than where we are here, Jesus is accused of being a friend of sinners. This, wasn't Jesus, this was not a phrase Jesus used of himself. He said, you Pharisees say that I eat with gluttons and drunkards and I'm a friend of sinners. You see, it was a a derogatory term used of Jesus by the Pharisees. Oh, he's a friend of sinners. You ought to stay away from him. He's a friend of sinners. But this song has picked up that phrase, friend of sinners, as if to say, you and I need to be friends of sinners and never say anything. Go easy. Don't ever point fingers. Well, there's a sense in which I believe, yes, we're to use words that are gracious speaking the truth in love. There are other verses that balance out this. But this passage should raise questions in our mind. How could he be a friend of sinners and say this kind of stuff? So let's look at it together. Let's look at each of these verses. So we'll go back to verse 42. This is after Jesus walks into the house. He's an invited guest. And I believe Jim last week mentioned something about the bowl very interesting that jesus walked right past the bowl and sat down to eat and the pharisees said man he didn't even wash his hands what's up with that okay jesus what i find in the word as i read he often set the stage for what he was going to do in luke in i think it's john chapter five he healed a man by the pool of bethesda and he said take up your bed and walk so the man got up picked up his bed and he's walking home and the pharisees go whoa 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 you can't carry a bed on the sabbath interesting jesus told him to pick up his bed knowing he'd be seen by the pharisees and that would create the setting where jesus would have a confrontation with the pharisees what were the pharisees doing rather than focus on the miracle that just happened they're focusing on some petty little thing he's carrying his bed But what's interesting is, the law never said that you could not do things on the Sabbath. It said, don't do your normal work. Now, if you are a bed carrier, five days, seven, six days a week, yeah, don't carry a bed on the Sabbath, because it's your normal work. Was this his normal work? Come on, guys. He's just (laughs) been healed, and he's taken his mat home. It's not his work. And then in, I think it's John chapter 9, another miracle of Jesus, he heals a guy on the Sabbath. He says, go down and wash in the pool of Siloam. Pharisees go, "Uh, what happened? Oh, I was healed on the Sabbath. And uh, the Pharisees say, healing on the Sabbath? You can't do that on the Sabbath. Once again, Jesus chose the day to heal him. He could have healed him any other day of the week. What did he do? Choose the Sabbath to create the confrontation. So here we have... Jesus, in Luke chapter 11, walking into the home as an invited guest, and he walks right past the washing bowl. Why did he do it? Because he was creating a setting in which this would come up. The Pharisees began to say, what's up with this? He didn't wash. Well, Jesus says this, woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint. Now, these are herbs. Rue is a very um, aromatic herb and all other kinds of herbs. Notice how minute and detail-oriented they are. They, they give a tenth. Now, I've never picked uh, mint or something in the garden, laid it out, and very carefully said, okay, I've got to divide it in ten parts. Okay, this many leaves here and these. And they were that detailed. And then when they got a tenth part, they'd give that to the Lord, and then they kept... Jesus is making a point here, isn't he? Look how detailed they were but you neglect justice and love you see what he's saying here you've gone after the picky things and missed the weightier things in life there are things more important than a tenth of your herbs yes you're commanded to give a tenth but look what you've not paid attention to proverbs 4 says it says guard your heart or out of it are the issues of life. What's more important? The heart. They've missed it. Justice and love of God. The, the weightier, most important things in life were missed. Why? Because of the pettiness. My wife and I, some of you know, were missionaries in Mexico, and we had a situation one time. I taught in a Bible institute in Mexico, and we would have, every month, we take our, missionary, our students to do a mission project. Every month. So they were home for three weeks, and then one week out of the month, we'd go up to the mountains, uh, do programs, do kids' things. But one time, it coincided with a special speaker who was at the Bible Institute, Dr. So-and-so, and I won't mention names, but well-known from back in the East Coast. And uh, he happened to be there that week, and I said, hey, you want to go on the mission trip with us? We're going to be gone for two days. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. He went with us. So let me show you the scenario. Here's Dr. So-and-so with his incredible knowledge, training. And here I am in the middle. And here our dear Mexican pastor, who has a sixth grade education. And we're talking over the events of the first evening. So I kind of the conversation had to go this way. So he would say, well, ask him, you know, how long we have. So I would ask him, and then I'd tell this guy, and it was back and forth, and we're just going over the details. And we were almost ready to wrap it up. And Dr. So-and-so says to me, ask him what kind of music they have here. And so I asked. Well, I knew, but I asked, ¿Qué tipo de música? You know, what kind of music they have. And our dear brother said, well, and we don't have electricity. There's no electricity in this mountain village at, at the church. And so he said, well, we just have guitars and we just sing praises to God. So I mentioned to him, they have guitars, they sing praises to God. Well, this guy's countenance began to change. The veins started popping out. He said, you tell him, and I can remember him wagging his finger, and I'm right here, and I'm seeing this finger. <laughs> no. You tell him, there will be no guitar playing in any church that I'm in, any service, because guitars are of the devil, and they're associated with drugs, You just tell him that. So I turned to my brother here, and I said, he knew something was going on, this wagging finger, you know. And I said, brother, there's a problem. I'll talk to you later. (laughs) What am I going to do? And he didn't know what I said. So I turned back, and he said, did you tell him? I said, it's all taken care of. Okay, so we went on. We had about an hour and a half till till the service started. So I had, my job then was to take our dear brother take him aside and say, I have to explain what's going on. Our dear brother from a very unusual university in Greenville, South Carolina, some of you might know about that, um, he has this baggage that you know he believes this way. And so I said, he, he asked that there be no guitar playing. Our brother here's saying, well, all we have is guitars. It's what we do. And then he made a comment that was so incredible. He said to me, if our brother is offended by guitars, we don't have to have a guitar. We'll just go without. You know what I realized at that point? Here's a brother with a sixth grade education. Talk about maturity, the maturity level of this brother to say, I will not offend that brother. There's more important things in life. We have a service we're having outreach to a community. And so that night we sang a (laughs) cappella. They just sang, and it was beautiful. Brothers and sisters, sometimes before we start, you know, pointing fingers at the Pharisees for being so picky, what about us? Sometimes we do that. And here's a guy with so much education, and yet all he could focus on at that moment was what he believed Was the proper thing and yet it was so out of context and so out of culture but our brother here focused on the weightier matter which was keep the peace don't offend our brother we can make changes we can let it go what we have here is we have pharisees who are so picky and jesus is bringing this to the surface there are much greater much weightier matters so let's look at verse 43 the next woe Again, a judgment call here. Jesus says, woe to you Pharisees because you love the most important seats in the synagogue and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Jesus mentioned in another place that when the Pharisees would come down the street they're ready to preach, they'd sound trumpets and then the Pharisee would stand there and pray. What is that? What's that all about? Pride. He's pointing his finger at pride saying Pharisees you got a pride issue look at the seats you're taking look what you deserve you think you deserve respectful place in Proverbs 6 it says God hates six things and, and even seven you know what number one is a proud look read it Proverbs 6 verse 4 God hates pride you see that's what costs Lucifer his position in heaven the most beautiful of all created beings when he said i will be like the most high god said out cost him his position jesus is simply pointing his finger and saying you're condemned you're judged why because of your pride wow what a harsh thing to say but he said it the next one is in verse 44 look at this one condemned you stand why Because you're like unmarked graves which people walk over without knowing it. What's that all about? Well, you know that we bury bodies because of the decomposition and the corruption that happens, the breaking down of the body and the smell after death. So we put them in the ground and we cover them up because we want to conceal all that stuff. The natural process has to continue and we don't want to smell it or see it. What he's referring to here, and he's saying, Pharisees, you know what you are on the surface, you look pretty good, but you're corrupt, you're like a grave. What's going on inside of you is putrid, it stinks, and that's what God sees. Wow, pretty harsh, huh? <laughs> I don't know, that's harsh. Let's look at the next one, verse. Uh, see 47 jump down to 47 here's what he says woe to you because you build the tom- you're, you build tombs for the prophets and it was your ancestors who killed them now this is a little hard to understand but he's saying you guys build tombs to honor a prophet and you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did they killed the prophets and you build their tombs here's what he's saying you say you honor the prophets you have a tomb in their name. And yet you live life you live lives that the prophets condemned. The prophets would have condemned what you do, the way you live. So what basically what's going on here? Well, what we have is we have dishonesty. You say one thing and you're doing another. On the outside, you're acting like you honor your your heritage, the ancestry, your prophets, and yet on the inside Basically, you're living a life that they condemned. And we're going to look at two of the prophets at the end here. Go back to 46. When Jesus was talking to the experts in the law, it says, you experts in the law, now he's referring to this specific group, he says, woe to you. Because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Wow, what a harsh way of putting it. They loaded them down with burdens, and yet they didn't even help them. In contrast, what did Jesus do? Come unto me, all you who are laden, or heavy laden, and I will what? Give you rest. Jesus invited people to him. Pharisees didn't. They oppressed them. They They put on them burdens that no one could handle. Of course, the question is whether the Pharisees themselves even abode abided by those rules, we're not sure. Go down to number 52 verse 52 there. Here's the last of the woes. Woe to you experts in the law because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered and you have hindered those who were entering. What's that all about? Taking away the key to knowledge. Well we're talking here about keeping the folk keeping the population keeping the people from the truth of God's word. They kept them from it. The ones who who should have been the shepherds of Israel, the ones who should have been shepherding the people and bringing them to the word of God and teaching them. What were they doing? They're making it so hard for them to get to it. Now, why is this important? Why is this the last of the woes that Jesus mentioned? here's what i believe we started out by a mention that this is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword you see the devil knows that if we can't if we don't have access to this or we get too busy and we don't pick it up we're defeated we're defeated in ephesians chapter 5 it talks about putting on the armor of god helmet of salvation sword of the breastplate of righteousness shield of faith Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Read about the armor, which is all defensive. It's all defensive against the darts of the devil. There's only one offensive piece that we're ever given. Only one. Know what it is? Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The only weapon we have is this. Read it sometime. Ephesians 5, I think it's 26. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Here's here's the point, and I'll put it as bluntly as I can. If you don't read this word, if I don't read this word, the spirit of God who lives in me has no sword to work with. This is the sword of the spirit. It's the spirit's sword. You know why we walk around defeated? Because we're in a battle with no sword. The spirit of God is not being given his sword to do battle. That's why Jesus was so harsh with them you know what you're doing you're keeping the people from the word it says here you've taken away the key of knowledge they're trying to get in and you're not letting them they're trying to get to this word you're not letting them I would encourage you folks let the Spirit have his sword and if you feel defeated there's only one reason in a battle without a weapon. And the Spirit has no sword. That, that's an amazing concept to me how the, the Spirit of God, who is part of the Trinity, the awesomeness of Almighty God, living inside of me, has chosen to wait until I give him a sword. Is that an amazing concept or not? He won't violate your will, He'll wait. He's a patient God. And when you give Him the sword, he'll start to work. But he's not going to do it unless you give it to him. That's an amazing concept to me. So, in mathematical terms, the amount, the proportion to which I give the Holy Spirit the sword is the proportion to which I will be victorious. Plain and simple. So what's my job? My job is to give him his sword. His job, to do work, to do the battle. Let's get out there and let's do it. Now, I, I started with the question, why would Jesus be so harsh? Why would he be so harsh? The loving Jesus, six times. You're condemned for this and for that. Let me go down through them. Number one, for pettiness. You tithe, you do all these minute things, and you, you miss the weightier matters of justice and love. Pride. You got pride going on. Woe to you. Condemned. Corruption you're like a grave that's covered over but underneath it's putrid you oppress the people you weigh them down with things they can't you're dishonest, you say you honor the prophets but you live lives that they would condemn and the last one, you keep people from the word why would he criticize them this way? let's put it in context, who is he talking to? (coughs) what's that? teachers of the law the leaders now these leaders pharisees they knew their word you you read the works of the apostle paul he says you know i did this i did this i did this and he he mentioned all the string of things he had to do as a pharisee most of them memorized huge portions of the old testament these were smart individuals so when jesus spoke to them with six woes you could not, if you were a Pharisee, you could not help but remember what had gone on in the Old Testament. Let me show you. Let me read it for you. Jeremiah, and if you have your Bibles, this is Jeremiah chapter 23. There were two prophets in the Old Testament who preached and mentioned the woes. You see, what Jesus was doing was simply repeating what the prophets, the, the very ones these pharisees knew and had built tombs to and said they honored jesus brings their words back it's like he reaches back into old testament times pulls the words of two prophets out and says you honor them boom here they are jeremiah 23 let me read this for you Woe, first word in the verse to the shepherds that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Woe to the shepherds that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, against the shepherds that feed my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings so when jesus said woe to you pharisees using the word woe every pharisee standing there should have said that's what jeremiah said about pastors about shepherds you see the pharisees were called the shepherds of israel they were the ones who were to be leading okay let me go to another one here ezekiel my Lamentations, Ezekiel. There you go. Ezekiel 34. I should have put little post-its in here. save myself time. But here we go. Ezekiel 34. Now, this is an amazing passage. Because here's what's going on. Ezekiel picks up the whole issue of the woe to the shepherds, the shepherds of Israel, who should be leading the people and feeding them, and they're not. Let me hold my words there, because this is exciting. The word of the Lord verse this is Ezekiel 34 the word of the Lord came to me saying son of man prophesy against the shepherds of Israel say to them thus says the Lord God to the shepherds woe be to the shepherds ever heard that word woe before sure you have it's the same word Jesus used that do feed themselves should not the shepherds feed the flock more concerned about themselves than the people. We've seen that. You eat fat and clothe with you wool, but you kill them that are fed, and you do not feed them. As I live, says the Lord, this is verse 8, surely because my flock have become a prey and my flock have become meat to every beast of the field, because there are no shepherds, neither did my shepherds seek for the flock, shepherds fed themselves and fed not the flock can you think of a verse where Jesus says something about going out after a sheep that's lost you see the prophet said you'll you'll recognize something that the shepherds of Israel are not going to care for their sheep and when they're lost they're not going to go out after them therefore shepherds hear the word of the Lord thus says the Lord this is verse 10 behold I am against you shepherds I will require my flock at their hand and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth that they will not be meat for them. You know what God says? There's coming a day when shepherds, you're not going to take care of my sheep anymore. You've done a bad job. You haven't cared for them. Now this is the exciting part. See, and I, I hope you see how this fits in context. Listen to what, Ezekiel says. Therefore will I save my flock and they will no longer be a prey. This is verse 22. And I will set one shepherd over them. He will feed them even my servant David and he will feed them and he shall be their shepherd. I am the Lord. I the Lord will be their God and my servant David a prince among them. I the Lord have spoken it. Now you have to understand this is centuries after david had been king this is during the time of the prophets who's he talking about what shepherd would come in the line of david who would be the shepherd our jesus you know what when you get to john chapter 10 jesus says i am the good shepherd you see what he's leading up to and this is only luke chapter 11 and in this gospel we haven't gotten to jesus saying he's the good shepherd yet but what he's doing is he's pointing out the error of the ones who should be the shepherds. Woe to you, woe to you, because you're this. And then you get to the later, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd knows his sheep. The good shepherd goes out after the one who's lost, leaves the 99 and goes out. The prophet said I was coming, I'm here. Jeremiah and Ezekiel both told of the coming shepherd who would be the shepherd they needed. So why did Jesus come down so hard on these these Pharisees? I thought Jesus spoke words of love all the time. Well, because he was a friend of sinners. He really was. And he spoke what they needed to hear. Now here's where the application gets really hard. Okay, You and I are to be our followers of Jesus, aren't we? True? We're followers of Jesus. We're to speak the truth and love. We're to, we're to have gracious speech. But there are times when the soul of a human hangs in the balance like sheep that are being slaughtered. God calls us to speak out. Of course with love, with grace, but we speak out. Jesus did. So why did he pronounce these six woes and condemnations? well he was fulfilling scripture for one because they said he would the prophet said he was going to be the shepherd but more than that i believe it showed his concern now he was an invited guest and i'm not sure i could do this you know invited to somebody's house and i just come out and lash out six woes against the people who are feeding me i don't know that jesus did but He was respected, and he did it in the right way. And he was pointing out the truth. And I would hope that one of those Pharisees, we don't know the name of this guy, I kind of have a hunch maybe he was Nicodemus' friend, or maybe Nicodemus, I don't know, someone who was searching for the truth. And I would hope that they, this person and these others took it to heart. Said, you know, you're right. That is what the prophet said. And we are doing that. And what do I do now? How do I correct it? I hope it led to that. But you know the human heart. We we hear the truth and we reject it sometimes. And sometimes we accept it. Here's what I would say in application of this. There are times we have to speak up. And if we're led by the Spirit of God, I believe he will use our words. And it will... It will be what's necessary in the situation. But as it says in the in the Song of Casting Crowns, we shouldn't be the ones who are pointing fingers all the time and condemning. We should not be characterized as condemning people. But there may be a situation where God calls on you to speak up, speak the truth. And let's be willing to do that. Our Lord did. I'm going to tell you a story in... Um, David can verify it. He was there with me. We have a small group, and a young lady who was a single mom came, began coming to the group, accepted the Lord, and she was growing in her faith. And after one of, a, one of the weekly meetings, well, I'll back up. A, a fella needed a ride to get there, and he, he also was a fairly new believer. And so. He got a ride with somebody else. So at the Bible study, he uh, at the end I said to the fellow, oh, "Hey, um, do you need a ride home?" And he goes, "Oh no, I'm spending the night here nearby." I said, "Oh really? What well, what's going on?" Oh, he says, "Sharon, the girl, she said I could stay at her house." And I thought to myself, "Whoa!" You know, I'm leading this small group. Sharon's a new believer, just growing in her faith. Lots of baggage. Um, Single mom. And this guy who's a new believer, he's going to spend the night at her house. And I said, well, what's up with that? Oh, I I offered to do some yard work. And correct me, David, (laughs) you were there. I offered to do some yard work around her house, and so, you know, I I can't drive. Um, So she just said I could stay at her house and then do the yard work in the morning. And I'm seeing nothing but problems with this scenario, you know. And... He's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes total sense, you know. Rather than go all the way home, get a ride, get back. I'll just stay here. And I thought, wow. Well, okay. Um, so anyway, after the Bible study, he, he took off. We get in the car. I think it was three of us, right? You and me and Ismail. And we're on our way home. And I got about three blocks from where we had have, have the Bible study. Small group. And I stopped the car. And I said, guys. there is something just isn't right and the Spirit of God is telling me, Paul stop, turn around and go to her house. And I looked at David and I looked at the other and I said you guys with me? And they're all like you're going to do what? (laughs) And I said I have to speak up because this is a young I mean this is a baby in the Lord this Sharon girl beautiful girl with with a child and I just see problems because there's baggage on both in both their lives and they said we're with you Paul so we turned around (laughs) and we went to Sharon's house and we pulled up to her house and we parked and I said guys since you all didn't decide to do this this is something I feel let me do the talking you guys just come with me okay just support me knocked on the door she opens the door hey what's up I said hey can we talk to you a minute she says about what I said, well can we just talk yeah come on in so all three of us went in and there's the gentleman and she they're sitting on the sofa and they're ready to watch a movie and I just sat down and talked to him and I said you know can I just be totally honest with you guys this isn't something I like to do in fact I don't do this very often (laughs) go into people's homes But I said, the Spirit of God is telling me I need to speak up. And I looked at the brother and I said, the Bible says flee all appearance of evil, flee youthful lusts, and I just see a problem here that might happen, and I just think the best thing to do right now is you, talking to the brother, Frank, you need to get in the car with us, I'll take you home. If I have to, I'll bring you back in the morning. I got your ride figured out. And anyway, they listened, and I just said, it's because we love you guys, and we just want the best for you. We're just trying to help you. Please listen to our hearts. And they're like, oh, well. Then Sharon gets up, and she stood up, and she said, what right do you have to come into my house? You're not my father. And she's gyrating her neck and all this. And I'm like, oh, Lord, what did I do? What did I do? You have no business coming into my house and telling me what to do. I'm a, I'm a full-grown woman, and I know, and there's nothing that's going to happen, and we're just going to watch a movie. In fact, you all just need to leave. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I, we did. We just stood up. I said, guys, time to go. Let's go. We would go out to the car, and I remember I put my head on the hood, and I just said, oh, Lord. That didn't go down the way I thought it should. That did not work. Lord, what happened? I thought I was following you, you know, and so we went home. And the whole way home, I'm saying, Lord. Anyway, so the next morning, I get a phone call from Sharon and talk about the way God puts things together. Sharon calls me about 9 in the morning. She says, Pastor Paul. I just need to call you this morning. I just need to tell you how things went down last night. She said, I was really upset with you guys coming into my house and acting like you're my parents. You know, you're my father. I've had all of that in the past. My dad told me everything, and I didn't want to hear. And I'm sorry that I treated you that way. She said, furthermore, I just want to tell you what happened. We started watching a movie. And halfway into the movie, something inside of me just started My stomach just started like this and I hadn't eaten pizza or any bad stuff or any jalapenos or anything. But she says, something in me just told me this is wrong and I just felt so uncomfortable. I've never felt that way before. There you go, the spirit of God. She said... I, what, what was that all about? And I said, you know what? When you're a new believer and we've been, she's only like two weeks into the Lord, you know, a new believer. I said, that's the Spirit of God working in you. She said, you know, I have never, you'll understand this. She said, I've never said no to a guy. Ever. This is the first time we have said no. I just told, I stood up and I said, you know what? you got to go home. He goes, why well, do not have a car? She says, well, get in my car. I'll take you home. And she said, I took him home. I just wanted to tell you that. Well, here I am the next, you know, I was thinking, what a failure, what a failure we are. What was that all about? And God was still at work. So I'm just throwing that out to you guys. That happened just shortly, just a little while ago. David can verify it. You were there, brother. You know what? Sometimes we have to speak up. Now, we don't do that every day. We don't walk into people's homes. But here's the, here's where, here's the reason because when a soul of a human hangs in the balance, you have to speak up. And that's where the Spirit of God works. So I pray for Sharon. She's moved away. And I just pray that the short weeks, we had about two months with her in our small group, and she moved away. I just pray that you know the things that she's learned, she'll take with her. But she can't walk away without knowing one thing. We care about her. We care. Cared enough to speak up. And that's what it's all about. Why did Jesus pronounce these woes? Because he cared. He cared that his sheep were being slaughtered. And they were being scattered. And the shepherds weren't doing their job. And he called them out on it. Yeah, we're to be like Jesus. We're to use words of grace. And, you know, apples of gold and settings of silver, as the proverb says. That should be our words, fitly spoken. It should be that way. Beautiful. There are times when we're called on to do hard things like speak the truth in a loving way because we care. I just want to encourage you all we need to be caring people. Yes, showing love but also showing concern as Jesus did. So would you bow your heads with me and would you pray let's just ask God to give us the wisdom we need in life. Lord God, we thank you for setting the example of confronting the shepherds who weren't doing their job and coming as a loving shepherd, presenting yourself to your people as one who cares and one who's with and one who visits his people. Lord, we want to be like you. We want to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit when your Spirit says, speak up, say something. When your Spirit says, let it go. So, Lord, we want to be We want to be the opposite of these Pharisees. We want to be concerned about the weightier matters of life and not be picky. We want our inside to be the same as our outside, not two-faced. We don't want to oppress. We want to help people with their burdens. And most of all, Lord, we want to be people of the Word, students of the Word, so that the Holy Spirit living in us has his sword to do battle. That we can gain the victory and not fall to the temptations of the devil. Lord, thank you for each one who's here. And I pray a blessing on each one, Lord. may May we reflect you every day as we interact with people in this world that desperately need you. In your name we pray.